How can the Rangers find a much-needed consistency to their game? The Blue Shirts are riding a back-and-forth streak that doesn't do their hopes for a playoff berth any favors. We'll dive into each promising win that seems to always be followed by a disappointing loss. The post Larry Brooks will join us to address the Jack Eichel trade rumors. We are also joined by Mr. Devil Ken Danico as he helps us preview the Blue Shirts' upcoming games in New Jersey. All that and more is next on episode 46 of Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to Center Ice for a special presentation. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats podcast, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen, but please do us a favor now. Go on Apple Podcasts, give us that five-star rating, write in a nice review. The Post Larry Brooks will join us in his weekly spot a little bit later in the show. We'll also be joined by Mr. Devil himself, longtime Devil's Great, MSG Network Analyst, NHL Network Analyst, Ken Danico. Speaking of a couple of devils, let's welcome in our host, Molly Walker from the New York Post, and her co-host, number 10, Rangers great, Ron Dugay. Well, hi, everyone. And before we get started, uh, I have a birthday wish that I want to send out to a friend a couple days ago, a couple days late, but never too late to wish a friend a happy birthday. And he's a friend of the show also, but more importantly, Ranger Hall of Famer, Brian Leach just turned 53. Yes, Brian, happy birthday to you. We got to get you back on the show one time. What's being talked about in the last couple of days, more than anything else, of course, we're talking Rangers. We want them to win, but they're playing against Buffalo. They play Buffalo and they beat Buffalo. But what was so important about that game? Well, it's all the trade talk. They're talking about possibly finding a way to get Eichel as a New York Ranger. So if you're watching the game, you watch the game, you're wondering, well, Eichel didn't play that well. What's going on? And so those are all things that we're going to talk about with Larry Brooks. And also, in the good news for the Rangers, Kreider. Kreider's back. Ten goals this year. Good to see him scoring. You're seeing the the excitement in his play right now, so that's good news. And, of course, we're going to talk to my good friend, Mr. Devil, Kenny Danico. We're going to talk about the Devils in this two-game series that starts tonight. What does that mean to the Devils, and what does it mean to the Rangers? And, Molly, you just wrote about Buchnevich, his play, and the difference that he's making in Lafreniere. So what are your thoughts on what you're seeing with Buchnevich? Yeah, Ron, I mean, this 3-2 to two win over the Sabres the other night, it was highlighted, in my opinion, by the top line. Lafreniere, Zibanejad, and Buchnevich were excellent. Buchnevich is getting back to the hot streak he had to start the season, and with Lafreniere playing alongside more elite talent and the mental confidence of being on that top line has, has just done wonders for him, in my opinion. Buchnevich single-handedly gave the Rangers that 2-1 to lead in the first period, but it's also a testament to Lafreniere being in the right place as of late. He's finding his groove and knowing where to be and such like that. And that's such an important learning curve for a 19-year-old kid. Don't even get me started on all the people, all the fans that are so quick to call a 19-year-old kid a bust after 20 games of his NHL career. It's just so unfair. And it's not only to take into consideration everything that's happened outside of this season, 
playing in the middle of a pandemic with protocols and all different things that were never going to be a part of his career until this year. And then on top of everything else, Kreider was joking about it the other day. He said that he said to Lafreniere, you have seen more drama in a single Ranger season that I have in, in a 10-year career between Tony D'Angelo's post-game fight with Alexander Georgiev and then Artemi Panarin dealing with a political scandal in Russia. Their top player is no longer on the ice. So you have to give the kid some some room to breathe, some some time to just find his groove. And in my opinion, that top line of Lafreniere, Zibanejad, and Buchnevich has really brought out the best in Lafreniere, playing alongside Buch and playing alongside Zibanejad. And even though Zibanejad has really taken a while to get going and he still really isn't there, because Buchnevich is doing what he's been doing and Lafreniere is taking bigger strides every game he plays, Zibanejad, I feel, is that missing key to unlocking that top line's full potential. So we'll see down the stretch here if Zibanejad can get going because I think if he does, I don't think Quinn will be willing to take that first line apart when Kako and Panarin come back. I'm going to add with Lafreniere, you got to um, you got to think about most training camps for a young kid coming in as a 19-year-old. You have an opportunity to play exhibition games, to get a feel for the NHL players, the pace, the mood. And he didn't get to do any of that. He was 100%. Right, yeah, right out of the gate, he had to start and play. And what I've seen in him is a certain calmness. There might be some frustration, but there's a calmness. It's just a matter of time. And now we're seeing that his puck handling skills are getting better in tight situations along the boards, making decisions. He doesn't seem to panic. And it's just a matter of time. For a winger, you really depend on a centerman which is Zabinajad. Zabinajad has his struggles. He does make his plays, but he's not playing with a lot of confidence. So he's not necessarily at his best to be able to help Lafreniere. And when I look at Zabinajad, last game, I felt like, you know, tonight's the night. And I said it, tonight's the night. Sure enough, first couple shifts, sets up Busnevich, scores a goal. And I said, yes, I can I can see it. I can feel it. Second shift, a, another goal. And I'm like, like, tonight's the night. But then as the game went along, he got opportunities, and I talk about this. As a player, I know this. Puck bounces, good bounces, bad bounces. I'm still seeing these back bounces that he's getting. You know, the puck bounces one way or the other. Uh, someone's in a way. There's always interference or shot blocks or just things aren't going right. So I'm believing that tonight with the Rangers playing the Devils, Zubanejad is going to tap into having scored three goals against the Devils. And it's just going to come. Butznevis is playing well. Lafreniere is playing well. And those guys as a unit, I guess, I, I, I'm going to believe we're going to see some good things out of them. Molly, Ron, Ron will also be tweeting out the Mega Millions lotto numbers. So if you like the predictions on that as well, to win the lottery, Ron is Miss Cleopatra here with uh, the psychic moves. I was going to say that I think Ron has said Zabinajad is going to break through the last five games, though. In all <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real here. If we go back to the receipts, Let's go through every tweet. It's tonight. It's tonight. <laughs> well, you, you know what I'm doing. I, I'm And I'm getting You're a lot of You're manifesting it. That's yes. what it is. You're manifesting yes. it. I Word, get your ways, Ron. I really do. Words have power. Words have power. <laughs> I believe in that. And I'm going to continue doing it until it happens. So, but, but uh, Hopefully he hears you. <laughs> yeah. But Molly, let's talk about Diamond in the Rough. You mm, wrote about him. Colin Blackwell. He continues to impress. And I had had this conversation with Larry probably two weeks ago. And I said, Larry, boy, this kid, he looks good. Well, he's not a kid. He's 27. He's looking good. 
I, I like his speed. I like his energy. And is it possible that he's going to get enough quality ice time that he's going to improve? And sure enough, two weeks later, you're writing about him as diamond in the rough. I truly think he is. I don't think anybody expected it. And even when I asked David Quinn about it, he said that he would be lying if he said that he thought Colin Blackwell was going to be having the kind of offensive production that he's had so far this season. The one thing that was very interesting to me and I thought really stood out was when I asked his teammates about him, I wanted to find out a little bit more about what he was like in the locker room. You know, what is this guy like off the ice? You know, we only see him either through the streaming service on practice. And then we, we really haven't interviewed him that many times. So I asked Ryan Strom, who's a great interviewer, always has so much insight into his teammates and the team in general. And he said something so interesting. He said that Blackwell is incredibly serious and incredibly focused. And it's something that the rest of the team really feeds off of. And he was going on about how he's been a role model to the to the team in that sense. And that, you know, during practice, sometimes they'll be missing shots or not converting on their passes. And they'll all like to joke and have fun with it and get on each other. But Blackwell doesn't do that, he said. He said that Blackwell is always focused on what he's doing on the ice. And, and that's a testament to who Blackwell is. If you look at his history, he was with Nashville for, I think it was 33 NHL games. And he's kind of bounced around and hasn't really found a home yet and hasn't really established himself in the NHL. So that's the work ethic of a player that hasn't been able to find a home yet and is desperately trying to find a home. And, and I think I think the Rangers would be absolutely crazy. I, th I think when they signed him, they wanted to expose him in the Seattle expansion draft. And he would have been a really great option to do that because not only is he decent, but he's proved to be more than decent. And I think that they'd be crazy to let him go. Yeah, and don't think that the coaches don't notice a player that's focused like that. And they'll reward a player like that. He's been he, in the top six. He's, he's gone been, to the top six. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm watching him play, and sometimes he tends to hold on to the puck a little bit too long. He goes in the corner. He gets bumped off the puck. So that's the one thing, the learning curve, he's going to need to figure out because all of a sudden now he's holding the puck. He has a puck a lot longer because he's getting more ice time. So he's got to be able to release. The more give and goes is what I believe he needs to do. But I believe that just a matter of time before he figures that part of it out. And guys, a six-game road trip coming up for the Rangers. Two in New Jersey. Molly apparently will be there at Prudential <laughs> Center. Now, you know, a theme of this show to end the first segment is always food. We all enjoy mm -hmm. to eat. We're all not vegan here. I know Sarah <laughs> McCrory had a healthy, dry January where she was eating like kale Lame. and grass. And what a loser. Um, but you will have more than the only the hot dog that you posted at the garden. Now, everyone <laughs> loves a hot dog. First off, what is your condiment of choice? Well, I, the funny thing, it's really funny that you asked me that because I don't really have a condiment of choice. And if you look through the replies of my pictures of a pretzel and hot dog, all anybody was saying is, where's the mustard? How come there's no mustard? Your your hot dog is naked. It needs mustard. And I was actually like, I didn't want to upset anybody, but I don't like mustard. I I'm agree. Sorry. Thank you. Wow, Molly. This is, this <laughs> okay, is you guys are wrong. You're wrong. I'm either plain pretzel, or ketchup. No mustard. A pretzel needs mustard. No, it doesn't. Oh, it's perfect That's as it is. Wait, wait, wait. I thought we were talking about condiment for the hot dog, not the pretzel. Mm -hmm. I thought you were talking about a pretzel. Both. Oh. Both. Oh, Literally I mean, every, like on both. every single person was like, 
you need mustard. You need mustard. Where is the mustard? Like a cheese sauce on a pretzel? I love cheese. Cheese with cheese. pretzel is great. I know a hot dog, honestly. I will put melted cheese on anything and everything, guys. Yeah, that's true. Ron, <laughs> or what kind of condiment guy are you? I know you drink a lot of kombucha, but what, what kind of condiment guy are you? <laughs> well, I, I'm Canadian. And uh, if, you guy. Were to, if you were to open my refrigerator, I got like six bottles of ketchup. There we go. <laughs> yeah, we're big in the ketchup. Ketchup on everything. I don't get the hate for ketchup. It's good. Like people like make like fun of too. you for putting ketchup on a hot dog. I'm like, that's normal to me. It uh, is. So I think it mustard's totally over it. But, but you were talking before we started, we'll wrap up here before we go to Larry, is that the food at Prudential for you guys is a bit more expansive than a hot dog. Yes, I, I was told we were going to get a boxed meal with a sandwich, a side salad, a bag of chips, a cookie, and a bottle of water. So, but honestly, between you and me, guys, I would take the hot pretzel and the hot dog any day of the week and twice on Sunday over a sandwich and a side salad. It depends salad. what kind of sandwich it is. But yes, a salad, <laughs> I mean, anything green, I mean, unless it's money or something else, like, I'll, I'll pass on that. But yeah, good for you. It's like you're getting a trip to the steakhouse. You're getting an expansive yeah, meal. Yeah, a nice change of scenery. I'll yeah. give them that. Yeah, we got a couple weeks till Ron. I know you didn't make it Tuesday, but hopefully you're back in a couple weeks. You got a while here. I think it's, what is it, March 15th will be the next Rangers home game against the Flyers. A guy who's always there in the building live and direct is Larry Brooks of the New York Post, and he joins the show next right here on Up in the Blue Seats. Joining us next is our New York Post Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer, Larry Brooks. Follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy and read his stories in the post and at nypost.com. First things first, Larry, and I'm sure you know what question is coming. We have to address the Jack Eichel to the Rangers trade rumors. I know you wrote about it rather extensively following their win over the Sabres Tuesday. I guess my questions to you are how much genuine interest is there from Rangers brass to pursue Eichel and what kind of package deal do you think it'll take to get him here? I think there's interest. The Rangers aren't going to get by without a top-end first-line center. There was some talk over the summer about Eichel coming to the Rangers. I never I never took it seriously because I didn't understand how they were going to be able to fit both Eichel and Zibanejad under the cap in two years because Zibanejad has one more year to go and Eichel's at $10 million And I assumed that with his trajectory as a player and um, the reality of payroll, that Zibanejad would probably come in at somewhere around eight or nine million on his next contract. So I never saw it as realistic that the Rangers would have Eichel and Zibanejad. But Zibanejad's season has created a vacancy in that first line center spot. I mean, he's there, but I don't know that in two years you can project that he will still be on the Rangers. It's going to be essentially impossible for the Rangers to give him a contract extension this summer, which means he'll be going into next year as a pending free agent if he's still on the roster. So there is all this uncertainty regarding Zibanejad, which brings us to Eichel. Again, the Rangers are going to need a top-end first-line center. They are so weak down the middle through the organization at this point that it is the glaring weakness on their team. Exacerbated by Zibanejad's season, we don't know yet what Philip Heedle is. I mean, Ryan Strom's having a fairly nice season, I think, but I'm not sure that anyone projects him as a long-term answer to the Rangers' top six issues. 
So let's go back to Eichel, who is, is going to be available. He's 24 years old. He'll be 25 in October. Yes, he makes the $10 million, and that's a huge number, but it's also for five more years, which means that it's a fixed cost so that the Rangers or whichever team winds up with Eichel is not going to have to worry about arbitration, is not going to have to worry about him going to free agency in the next five years. I, I think that he will probably be the best center available in the near future. I know, you know, Barkov can become a free agent in a couple of summers, but I, I wouldn't bet on any of these guys hitting the open market. We see what the flat cap has done to free agency. Florida now is a building team, so I wouldn't count on Barkov. I, I don't think the other guys who are coming up on free agency like Nugent Hopkins, uh, you know, really fill the hole as, as a top end center. So it's going to be Eichel. I think that I think they're going to look hard at Eichel. What I don't think they're going to do is, is make the five or six asset exchange that some people are forecasting. I, I think that the projection that Buffalo is going to be able to get the top two or three prospects plus a young player plus a couple of draft choices in exchange for Eichel is, is misguided. He does have the $10 million hit. There are very few teams that can accommodate that kind of a hit without doing a lot of gardening on their own. So I think it'll come down to a couple of teams that are interested in Eichel, and I don't envision the Rangers giving up the five assets in order to get him. And I don't, I don't, and I don't envision, say, the Kings, who are projected as a as a bidder on Eichel, to give up five assets either. Larry, I'd like to expand on that a little bit more. I know that I read a lot of on Twitter about Ranger fans hearing and watching the possible trade rumors with Eichel. And so they watch him play against the Rangers and I watch him play. And I got to tell you, like I, before that game, I've been bragging on this kid. I'm thinking this could be a good idea, but watching him play, it was a big disappointment for me. Cause I'm thinking if this kid really wants to come to New York, he's going to, he's going to showcase himself. And I didn't see a whole lot in him. So when you watched him play the other night, what were your impressions of him? <laughs> the same as you. Um, I think he's been swallowed up to a great degree by dysfunction in Buffalo. Listen, Taylor Hall has one goal. He hasn't scored a goal. He scored the first goal of the season for the Sabres. He has not scored since then. Taylor Hall. This is Taylor Hall, the guy who was a Hart Trophy winner a couple of years ago. Jeff Skinner doesn't have a goal. Eric Stahl looks awful. Dylan Cousins, who is, is going to be, I think, a big-time player if he's not ruined in Buffalo. You know, his most memorable moment of the game was a fight. I think Eichel had a disappointing night. I tend to think that the Sabres right now are, are so downtrodden that I, I, I think that's a factor in, in the way just about everyone on their team is playing. I mean, I mean, Dolan, first overall a couple of years ago, what did he look like last night, you know? So I, I think everyone's stock on, on the Sabres is is depressed because of the situation they're in. But I agree with you. I mean, he, he did not ace the audition, but I don't think it was an audition. You know, I, I think there's familiarity with him among the Ranger management. Certainly David Quinn coached him at BU for a year, so he knows him very well. And I, I don't think their interest in him is going to be diminished because of his game last night. Switching gears to the Rangers, I wanted to ask you about the top line with Lafreniere, Zibanejad, and Buchnevich. How would you evaluate them through their first four games together? And do you think it's been the best place for Lafreniere so far? Because I personally 
personally do. I think being on that top line is a mental confidence boost for him and, and also playing alongside higher talent like Buchnevich has helped him as well. Yeah, I think he's a top six player. I think he needs to play with top six players too. And I thought he looked real good a couple of weeks ago when he was playing with Strom and Kako on that line. And I think he has played well with Buchnevich and, and Zibanejad. I agree with you. I think his game, I think it's flourishing again. I think he... Whatever games they were now, you know, games uh, 6 through 12 were good, and then he had a dip from 12 through 16 or, you know, somewhere in there. And now I think he's back on the upswing. He looks like he's more involved. He's more dynamic. He has the puck more. He's going to the net. I think he's a little more comfortable playing in the league. So I agree. I, I think he's he's going to be a top six player. He's going to play with top six players, and it's going to be interesting when Kako and Panarin come back, what the Rangers are going to do. Because, you know, they, again, they're, they're going to have eight talent players who are going to need to have equivalent players on their lines. And, and you know, there's just going to be the one spot on the third line that's going to be a different kind of player. Probably Colin Blackwell, who has played extremely well, or maybe Blackwell stays with Kreider and Strom if they keep it that way. Although, again, it's going to be really interesting, I think, what Quinn does with his with his personnel when Kako and uh, Panarin are back, because he's got a lot of options. What I would like to see is Heedle moved up into the top six somehow. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think the Rangers need to find out what Philip Heedle's ceiling is at the age of 21. Now, you know, the, his ceiling this year is presumably not going to be his ceiling as a 22, 23, 24, 26 year old. But I think Philip Heedle needs to play with top end talent, just like Lafreniere. And I would like to see Heedle in one of their top two lines. I'd, I'd like to see him in the middle of one of their top two lines. Maybe he's not ready for it right now because he's still coming back from the injury. His stamina probably isn't great. So you wouldn't want to put him there if he's not 100%. But when Philip Heedle's 100%, I want to see him playing in the top six. So Larry, you, you just answered my next question. I was going to bring up Heedle. And the reason I was going to bring it up, I personally wanted to see how he was going to handle coming back from an injury, young guy, after having a good start, what was he going to be like on the ice? Was he going to come out and just look like he had confidence? And the one thing that stood out more than anything, it's not that he played great, is his speed. How much his speed makes a difference and how he creates stuff. So that was the one thing I stood up with him. But I want to get into Ryan Lindgren, a player that I'm really, really admiring now because of you need players that are going to play with a little bit of a bite. And it seems like every game he leaves the game with some sort of bruise. He's got a cut and he's got that look on his face like he plays like he's angry. And so what are your thoughts on Lindgren so far this year? Oh, I mean, you're right. I mean, he plays with a snarl from beginning to end. And, you know, there's Adam Fox, of course, and the two are, are kind of a match set, right? I mean, they played together essentially since the 10th game of last season, except for a few games here and there where, where Quinn has shuffled it, but it doesn't last long. When You know, there are times when he wants to break it up to get another look. Like last year, he wanted to try Lindgren with Truba because it seemed like it made sense. And then, you know, it was like one or two games or maybe lasted for three and it was, no, we've got to go back to Lindgren and Fox. I mean, they've played together. They've been a pair at different times since they were like 16 or 17 years old playing in the U.S. national program. So these guys are really kind of a matched pair. Fox is the more offensively inclined, and the more skilled. But Lindgren um, has improved his skating. His conditioning's better. He now is chipping in in the offense. And I can't remember a Ranger defenseman, maybe since Jeff Bukaboom, 
who is as hard to play against. And, you know, it, it is, you know, every shift he is in somebody's face. The question really is, do the Rangers need to have somebody there to kind of protect Lindgren at times? Who is the last person in the world who needed protection on the ice? Mark Messier, right? I mean, who would need to protect Mark? What does he need protection from? And yet there every game was Adam Graves protecting Mark Messier, you know? So, I mean, at times I think the Rangers, you know, Lindgren probably needs a little protection. There aren't many players on, on, on the team built that way. So that's probably something they're going to need to look into at some point. But, you know, if you're talking about a player who is exceeding all expectations, that's Ryan Lindgren. You know, when, when they got him as part of the Nash deal from Boston, all you heard about him was his great leadership quality. But he was, he was projected really as a marginal, marginal prospect, the guy who might or might not make it, might play on the third pair. He just doesn't skate well enough. He, he just doesn't have great vision on the ice. You know, he's good in his own end, and he's got, he's got great character. That, that's all you heard about him. And then you see him play, and his game is far more than that. So he has been a, an unqualified success story since he's come to New York. All right, Larry, thanks for the time as always, and we'll chat again next week. Sounds good, Molly. Our guest this week is best known as Mr. Devil because he played his entire 20-year NHL career with the Devils. He helped the Devils to three Stanley Cup championships and currently holds the franchise record for games played with New Jersey at 1,283 games. He was the 2000 Bill Masterton Trophy winner and was just the second player in Devils history to have his number three uniform retired in 2006. And now he provides color analysis during Devils broadcasts on MSG Plus, and he appears on NHL Network as well. It's the one and only Ken Danico. Thanks for joining us, Ken. Thank you for the warm welcome. Uh, very, <laughs> very nice and good to be with you guys. How are you? <laughs> Great. So happy to have you on. I guess we'll start with the present day Devils, considering the Rangers play them Thursday night. Even though they currently sit at seventh in the East, I feel like they've really taken some big strides from last season to this season. And also the seventh in the East is on account of their COVID-19 issues that they had earlier in the season. But what do you think is their biggest improvement this year and how do they continue to build off their progression? Oh, it's been a topsy-turvy year in these unprecedented times that you just mentioned, Molly. But I just think they have more depth as far as their prospects and youth and the young kids coming in the lineup. I think at one point they uh, had had the most rookies with at least a point this season or, or near the top of the National Hockey. You know, those things are all fine and good and, and it looks good for the future. It doesn't always add up to wins immediately right now. And they started real well their first 10-11 games. and. Things were going pretty well, and a lot of the young kids were really contributing. And then you find the season starts to set in, and the top teams uh, get settled as well and get their team going. And they played real well, even in this bad stretch here where they've lost six of seven. They've just been tough to find ways to win. We use that term a lot for young teams. And they've lost some tight games, and it's making that one big player scoring on the power play or killing an important penalty at the time. And that's all part of winning because teams that – 
are established, that are veteran teams that have had success over the last few years are opportunistic and, and they feed off of one big mistake and the margin for error is a lot less and they found themselves on the wrong side of wins and losses as of late. But but I, I'm still bullish because of the fact that a lot of these young guys, and initially what you'd ask me, a lot of these young guys have taken big steps, but it's going to take a lot more learning along the way, I believe, to really have sustained success and, and, and put some wins together. Jack Hughes is obviously always a topic of conversation when discussing the Devils as the team's most recent number one pick. And he too, I'm sure that's who you were meaning by as a player that's developed tremendously from his first season last year. What do you see that's special about Jack? From a skating standpoint, handling the puck and being number one overall, he had all those attributes, showed flashes last year. Everybody expects so much so soon and we forget that they're so young coming in the league and, and babies really. But the, the sec from the first year to the second year, you just really see his progression as far as confidence, as far as making right decisions with the puck. And he's a guy that uh, he, he continues his points. He, he came out of the gate really strong and had some offensive numbers and the team's gone through its struggles. And naturally, uh, as a young offensive player, finding his way in the National Hockey League, uh, his point production has dipped, but not his creativity and not the opportunities he, he's presented his line mates and himself. And now it's about converting and finishing. But I've loved the progression of Jack Hughes. I mean, from one year to the next, it's kind of dramatic. And he had that time off with the long layoff, which was a blessing in disguise for him. He did get stronger. Uh, he did become more of a man. He under, understands the game getting acclimated last year in the National Hockey a little bit more what he can and can't do. And it's still a ways away from, I think, when you'll see the peak of Jack Hughes. But uh, so far, if he's taking the steps he's taking this year, I expect him to be you know, a top-notch offensive player in this league uh, for years to come. With the two games coming up, back-to-back Rangers-Devils, the Rangers still believe they can make the playoffs. They're not that far off. They're playing the Devils. It's a team that they've struggled against, but they still feel like they can beat them. What are you anticipating? What do you think we're going to see in the next couple of games in this battle? Do you think the Devils are going to come out and really want to play hard against the Rangers, like be the spoiler, or is it going to be just business as usual? No, anytime they play the Rangers, dude, it's it's obviously a rival. Uh, they won the first two games against New York. That's when they were on a pretty good roll themselves at the time, and obviously. Uh, their fortunes have turned. The Rangers have played better as of late. But the Devils, you know, that's this league. The competitive balance in this league, regardless if it's a rivalry or not, is sometimes perplexing. Where the Devils have, haven't lost to the Boston Bruins. Oh, they lost one, in, I shall say, in a shootout. But they've, they're 2-0-1 against the Bruins. They've beaten the Rangers twice. Other teams can beat Washington or, say, the Philadelphia Flyers. And the Devils have struggled against them to find ways to win. So you never know what exactly is going to transpire. But the Devils. With young kids and, and the enthusiasm and energy they've had all season long, despite lately struggling, they're going to come out hard. I, I'm certain they want to end their, their losing streak and certainly uh, have had success, like you mentioned, dudes, against the Rangers. And anytime you play a rivalry, it doesn't matter where you sit in the standings or where you're at in the season, it always means something. It always seems to mean a little bit more. I wish all players could play the same way every night. <laughs> I think that's the goal, obviously, to have a successful team and, and and being prepared, but uh, I expect a fun, energetic game. There's going to be a few fans in the building. We had fans the other night for the first time, and the fans are everything, so that means a whole lot. I think for, for all hockey players, even the opposing team as well, so 
it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of energy in the building for the small amount that are in there. But they just have seemed to play well against the Rangers. In one game, the first one, obviously, Mackenzie Blackwood was outstanding. And, and he's played four of the last six games. He didn't play the other night, but he had played four games of six nights. And he was getting a little fatigued, so he got a little bit of a reset. So I expect him to be on top of his game again. Not that he was bad, but he had dipped a little bit like the rest of the team. And understandably so. This is a unique season and, and jam-packed schedule. So I think it's a good thing that Mackenzie Blackwood was able to reset a little bit. So I expect him to be at his best. And when he is, he's, he's one of the upper echelon goalies in the league. That's a perfect segue into my next question, Ken. For a while there, Mackenzie Blackwood was arguably the best young goaltender in the tri-state area. And I know the Devils have shown a bit of commitment to him by signing him to a three-year deal this offseason. Do you think he's hit his ceiling yet, or where does he go from here? Well, I think it's it's all about consistency, whether it's a young goaltender, a young player, a young defenseman, young forward. But I don't think he's hit his ceiling. He's very athletic. He's got a great mindset, which uh, I don't know a whole lot about goaltending, but playing in front of one of the greats of all time in Broder and you watch how they're able to respond after a bad game a bad period uh, letting in a bad goal and, and you have to stay even keeled and I think McKenzie has that mindset and he's been terrific this year like I said has he dipped a little bit probably he couldn't have kept up the pace he had in the first 10 games because the numbers were off the charts as far as his goals against and and save percentage but uh, the Devils have to give him some support, obviously, because lately where they haven't been able to find that timely goal or the pressure mounts on a young goaltender where you've got to make every save. And uh, I, I just really like his demeanor. And, and at, from an athletic standpoint, uh, he, he's a competitor and he's built like a bull. And I think that's good for a young goaltender that is going to play a lot of games. Um, but he needs support as well. And they'll continue to grow together. But I really like him. I think he can be. There's so many great goaltenders. You mentioned all in, in the metropolitan area young guys the Shesterkins and Sorokins and and Blackwood and Carter Hart up in Philadelphia who struggled a little bit but I think he's he's right on par with those guys as far as having a real good long career and being the backbone of the Devils in the future and a long future shall I say. Ken it's Jake here let's take a trip down memory lane Ken Danico Ron Duguay Battle of the Blades what's your memories? (laughs) <laughs> well we had a lot of fun that's when that's probably my first memory that's when i was still a maniac but <laughs> but now we we had a blast but i we had a blast hey it was like being on a team even though we were competing against each other we'd be in the dressing room having a great time together and then we'd have to compete and praying that we'd get past a round or two as far as the skating because I'm telling you, I was more nervous that first show, probably every show when we prepared all week for a Sunday show, I was probably more nervous than the Game 7 of a Stanley Cup. It was not easy. We, we skated with unbelievable uh, women that, uh, you know, all gold medalists and great world-class figure skaters that taught us a lot, really. So it was really an eye-opener, but it was, uh, I'm telling you, my mouth was dry and I'm going into every single show, I'm like, oh, my God, I just don't want to make a fool of myself here. But but it was a great experience and a lot of fun and a lot harder than I thought. And, yeah, we had some fun along the way in Toronto, uh, hanging out together. It seems like it was two years ago. It's already, geez, like 12 years ago, Duke, something like that, when we were the initial show. And it had a huge, huge success. I remember us worrying about the ratings and the numbers and going, I hope we're not making fools of ourselves. And it it rivaled Hockey Night in Canada. So that was pretty cool. (laughs) Ken, I got to ask, how many figure skaters did Ron ask out? And how many did he actually get dates with? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was was oblivious to all that. I mean, I... 
I heard things went on along the way, and I kind of, you know, out of sight, out of mind, believe it or not. And then I heard a year later afterwards, going, no way. <laughs> but time flies. I, I lose track of years. I don't know where Dukes was at in his life at that or point. Or you just but, lost so. track. <laughs> I don't know. I, I really don't know where it was at. But I know Dukes is, he, what are you, Dukes, in your 60s? You're still looking like you're 45, 40, maybe. Just so we don't start anything here, Molly. At the time, I was, I was, I was happily married to the beautiful Kimala. Alexis. And so, yeah, I was paying attention to what was going on with the other guys and the other ladies. And for our <laughs> listeners, you're probably wondering, what is it we're talking about in Battle of the Blades? Well, Battle of the Blades was a show in Canada, a reality show. It was like Dancing with the Stars, but yeah. we did it on ice. And so there's eight of us hockey players that we've named them all. They paired us with a professional skater. And they essentially told us, listen, you got about six weeks to figure out how to figure skate, not only how to figure skate, but do a routine. And we're like, oh, okay. Uh, I, and I'll never forget a couple of the guys when they first put those figure skates on, you know, that toe pick, some guys landing on their face. But the I experience- killed my elbows the first time. I wore elbow pads, dude, for, <laughs> when we were learning to skate on figure skates. I, I almost killed myself. You're absolutely right. Kenny, you said it when you said it was like us being in the dressing room because the guys – we would be separated, go to different facilities, and we would be our partner learning how to skate, and then we'd come back and talk about it. Well, the <laughs> stories were freaking hysterical. Ty Domi, Proby, and uh, Lemieux. I mean, it, it was awesome. And then comes, this was the best part, night one, when we're going live in, at, at the old Maple Leaf Garden, and we're in this dressing room, I swear, like an hour before, Kenny's wearing this tight, Top. That's what I wanted to ask about the figure skating costumes. Oh I mean, my like God. that must have been a trip. Might have to oh, find Google and, Google a picture and, of this right and, now. And what wasn't it silk, Doogie? And I still had some pretty big pythons back then. Actually, I mean, <laughs> I, I'll humbly say, I mean, I, I kept, I had those arms since sixth grade. They never left me, dudes. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing was is that we're we haven't even started yet, and Kenny's sweating in his shirt, and his and his chest hairs are so strong they're they're sticking out of the t-shirt. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, the things we remember, Doogie. Huh? The things yeah. we remember. All I know is I was as nervous as I've ever been. Like I said, as nervous as a game seven in the Stanley Cup Finals. That's the pressure I felt. We just wanted to get through it, but boy, was that a lot of fun and a great experience. <laughs> but it was crazy. It was. I'm looking at the picture right now, and, and those pythons are out, Ken. I see them. Yeah. <laughs> I, the, the, the lung capacity wasn't as good, though. I mean, certainly, uh, I, I remember, because I had to do a lot of lifts, as Dukes knows. I wasn't the most fluent skater, and my, our stick, uh, my the figure skating partner was Jody and Higgins, who I loved, and she was she her husband trained us a lot was that they, uh, they were a pairing that they could really do a lot of flips and lifting over the head and i was horrified we worked on it off the ice and she goes this is how we're going to advance we got to get creative she, she'd have me throwing her over her head lifting her over her head and i'm like trying to do that on figure skates and i remember i almost dropped her in the first week because we i was exhausted it, it was at the end of the routine and I tried to lift her over my head, and I 
kind of used all arms and I barely hung on and I'm horrified. Uh, down the road that we were more advanced and we're doing thrown over my head with a backflip training and uh, off the ice first. And I said, there's no way, Sean, to her husband that I am doing that because if I hurt Jodine, I'll never live with myself. And he goes, you can do it. And these guys were fearless. She was fearless, which was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it really makes me have a lot of respect for what figure skaters do. Well, thanks for your time, Ken. Looking forward to these Rangers-Devils games. You can follow Ken at Ken Danico MSG on Twitter. Hope to have you on on the show again in the future. My pleasure, gang. Take it easy, guys. Dudes, don't yes. be telling any stories out of school. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Till next time, Kenny. <laughs> have a great night, man. Take care. <laughs> That concludes episode 46, the Dan Girardi edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Go into Apple Podcasts now and give us that five-star rating and write in a review. We appreciate all your support. For Ron Duguay, I'm Molly Walker. We'll be back in your ears next Thursday. Enjoy the week of Rangers games. Stay safe, everybody, and thanks for listening.